your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 276 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week features the return of Gilbert Deltrez, the creator of Under the Flesh, who has a new project in the works called Lair. And as this recording is posted, you should be able to go to kickstarter.com and find out Lair. That's spelled L-A-I-R. We'll give more details during the discussion. We'll talk about how the book came to be, how we brought the creative team together, as well as an update on Under the Flesh and what other things might be happening in the Deltrez universe. As an indie creator, he has a lot of interesting insights, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Gilbert Deltrez, probably best known for Under the Flesh, a great indie comic that he made, but he's got a new book in the works and a Kickstarter that's now underway. How are you doing today, Gil? So far, so good, Wayne. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. It's good to talk with you. Now, let's go ahead and start with the new stuff, and then we'll go back to Under the Flesh and see how that is going. But the important thing right now is this new book. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the new book's about? Sure. It's basically my fascination, I'd say, with demons put in comic book panels, pretty much. Okay. So as I look on your Facebook page, I see it's described as a paradimensional demon horror graphic novel. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that it's is called, correct. It's, it's called uh-huh. Lair. Is it The Lair or Lair? Lair. Okay. So we want to make sure we get it right. Yeah. There's a page I see on there. It's really good. The art and the coloring is particularly really good. About mm-hmm. it. Could you give us like a TV guide version of what's going to go on with that? What's the basics of the story is? To sum it up in a TV guide log line, I would say an off-duty cop in a rocky relationship faces more than uh, demons when he's literally warped into a hellish dimension. And uh, this is, in fact, Lair. Mm. Okay, and I see this graphic that I see on there. It's, it's, it, it, is that the same? Is the guy we see, the, the looks like the human guy, he's yeah. the, the off-duty cop. And on the other side of what looks to be like a glowing globe is what mm-hmm. looks like a demon. Is that the same guy as a demon, or is that a demon? That's kind <laughs> of, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I, I don't want to give away too much okay. as, in regards to spoilers, but this is good that you uh, picked up on that. So, yes, that's the main character we're seeing, and that orb does have a specific place in the narrative. And the demon, so to speak, is the head, or you can say fallen angel, the warden, so to speak, of Lair. So there there are some parallels there, but um, that's pretty much a cover that Sebastian, the artist, and I concocted, and um, we felt it was visually grasping, something that just attracted attention, and if it does its job, that's what we're trying to do. Now, Sebastian's last name is Navas? Yeah, Sebastian Navas, I would Navas. say. Yeah, Navas, Navas, okay. yeah. 
As long as we're yeah. getting somewhere in the ballpark, probably happy. Now, yeah. the, according to your Facebook page, the color <laughs> colors are done by Davi Komodo. Is that pronounced right? Yes, okay. Davi Komodo. I actually found him, believe it or not, on Facebook, one of the comic groups. I, was, I actually saw him put up a post showing some of his coloring work. And literally, that's the first time I ever found a colorist on, on Facebook. But his credentials were pretty good. His resume looked good. And he actually had some work published by Dark Horse and Boom Studios. So I just gave him a tryout and I was blown away by that page. And I was like, this is our colorist. So how did you meet Sebastian then? Sebastian, honestly, in regards to finding an artist, I never have a set way. I'm always scouting on, I want to say Facebook, really, but Boom Studios has an artist submissions page, and artists will literally just fill up that page with samples and portfolio work, and sometimes I'll just gradually just scout for artists, and if I see something that attracts my attention for a particular work that I'm writing, I'll give them a shout, seek them out, and dialogue and if something happens if he has availability i try to see if he's willing to to collaborate and pretty much that's what happened with sebastian he had availability he liked the script he said he thinks it's one of his best scripts that he received and from there we started with just the cover a finished cover and the finished first page is as a promo piece for the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. This is good. Now, your Kickstarter is underway. Let's get a little mm-hmm. detail about the Kickstarter. When is this going to be concluded? Okay, this will be actually going on from – it'll start April 9th. It's going to be till May, actually, 14th, I want to say. Okay. All right. And what's your goal? My, they, now, here, the, therein lies one of, uh, one of the things that gets me a bit nervy as an indie comic creator – this is my biggest Kickstarter yet, and mm-hmm. the goal is going to be 10K. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the interest of full transparency, that's literally just to cover the artwork. Lair is, in fact, a 60-page one-shot graphic novel. Mm-hmm. There's no issue one, issue two, issue three, issue 10, issue 11. This is just a one-shot and done. Put all your marbles in the bag and seal it up. So this is a, a big endeavor for me and my biggest Kickstarter. So this is literally the biggest work I've put out. So we got to get the word out about this good thing. Yes, yes. Okay. I'm trying to, as, as much as I can on social media, you know, whatever I can do just to spread the word. Now, I always wonder about names of things. Mm-hmm. A lair is like a place like the Batcave is for Batman and stuff like that. <laughs> is that any? Does that have anything to do with the story? Or does it have yes, a it, yes, it does. All right, the best way to just surmise what Lair is, it'd be, I mean, I know we're all familiar with the exorcist. We all have our type of stereotype, I guess, or conception of demonic possession, so to speak. So for me, this fascination, I always felt like, what do demons do all day? Like, what do they do, you know, on their spare time? They're always looking for souls that are ripe enough for possession. They're always looking for people they can, you know, take over bodies they can harness. They're always looking for vessels. So I figured, I just got fascinated and I figured making a comic where Lair is the place where demons pretty much lurk before they actually possess a human being. <laughs> and it's, it's something I've been writing for years. It started as um, a short story in one of my creative writing classes, mm-hmm. and it just ballooned into hopefully the graphic novel, which can be something tangible, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully by the end of the campaign. 
Okay. Now, granted, we're going to go into the assumption it'll be a success. And when do you expect, if the money comes in, that we might actually see this in print? Okay. I'm hoping to have at least the artwork done, I want to say, by September-ish. Mm-hmm. Hoping to have at least physical copies en route to our backers. I would want to say, I want to aim for Halloween. I'd love to yeah. get this type of piece right on time for Halloween and mm-hmm. for the Kickstarter, I'm actually putting as delivery date October. So mm. pending the success, yes, optimistic always. Mm. I feel that this is something that's doable and something realistic within our parameters as a creative team. So I feel this is something that can be in backer hands by October, right when the time for creepiness uh, sets in. That's right. And of course, the Halloween is the perfect time for this to come out. Yeah, that's kind of a good thing. Now, I've got to ask you about why a graphic novel? You mentioned the fact that it's not going to be individual issues. Was there a reason Uh, for going with the graphic novel format as opposed to like coming out with individual issues? All right. So for me, I was lucky enough to have successfully crowdfunded Under the Flesh. It was a webcomic I did, a type of play on zombies, so to speak. I was able to spearhead the first issue uh, via Kickstarter, get the artwork for the second issue, and did another campaign, and we wrapped up up to the third issue. Now, as much as I'd like to jump on and do a Kickstarter for Under the Flesh number four, JL, the artist for Under the Flesh, the schedule was a bit cloudy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when you're dealing with scheduling and you're dealing with a narrative that you have broken out into a six-issue, four-issue, five-issue story arc, A separate individualized Kickstarter campaign makes things a little bit tough or a little bit rough. So I figured if I just do a Kickstarter campaign for a one-shot deal, 60-page graphic novel, when backers get this all creative work, they're able to gauge me as a writer. They're able to gauge my style more effectively and more efficiently than if I just put out issues on an individualized basis. And for me, I feel it's a little less risk when you're doing the floppies from issue to issue, you could have some snags along the way. So I just feel like a one and done deal. I figured for me, it would show more in terms of my storytelling craft because when it's done, you have your fully engaged story beginning, middle, and end, as opposed to waiting for issue four, issue five, how the plot going to flesh out, how's the conclusion coming along. You know, so I felt for me, even though it's a pricier Kickstarter, I feel that the work, that I'm putting out as far as visual, as far as the artwork, you could see the type of merit that's going into this product. And I hope backers can see that. And that's why I opted to go with the full-blown graphic novel as opposed to stringing along in uh, separate issues. Of course, you realize you're bucking the trend of almost every comic that comes out today has no end to it. Batman. Yes, that's uh, yes, yes. That's another thing. I wanted closure as a comic reader, okay? Because I love reading comics. I still follow The Walking Dead. Uh, I'm reading The Woods. Uh, there's a, a saga. So you know, I mean, I love the ongoing, but there comes a point where you want some type of finality. You want some type of closure. And for me as a reader, it gets hard to keep track of every single issue that comes out. I got a stack of The Walking Dead hardcovers because for me, it was just easy to have them consolidated. Mm -hmm. And I literally sold off my whole The Walking Dead collection. I mean, I I would do it again differently now because it hurts to sell that first issue. But anyway, it's just to piggyback off what you said, I felt... As a reader and also as a writer, I wanted to put a work out there that does have finality to it, but at the same time can be reopened 
you kind of close the book, but you leave it at a spot where if we have to revisit it, hey, we got a great jumping off point, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at and why I aimed for a graphic novel as opposed to just another ongoing Shrek. So it could it could be a layer two someday. The blessing would be uh, layer one gets interest, it gets some type of publishing, and I would love for someone to say, hey, we want to steal layer two and keep it. I, here's the thing. As much as I say I wouldn't want to do that, but when you see good things coming, you probably would want to milk something for all, all it's worth. But there's one part of me that doesn't want to – yeah, I don't want to be that – not to say that they're selling out, not at all, but mm-hmm. – I just want to do things differently. I want to. I want to have a certain respect to the work, and just you don't want to bleed anything too dry, and you know you're just running on bones. I want to have something more there, some more substance. So I, I, I put it like this: if you fully engage layer, hopefully when it's done, you have enough fodder there to have a layer one, a layer two, a layer three, a layer four. I, I open a universe, so to speak, where you can keep it going along. And my ideal scenario would be to sell off maybe like the movie rights, if that ever happened, mm-hmm. to layer to have them do that. But then me just focusing on just other works. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you something. I, I, demons mm-hmm. make me really nervous. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I don't get them. I don't understand. I, and I get a little nervous when I do begin to understand them. So, I, and, you know, the fact that you're fascinated by them and just obviously done studying on it. Why don't you talk a little bit about demons and about what it is about them that makes them something you want to write about? For me, you always have different types of evil, so to speak. We have our ghosts. You have your abominations like a Frankenstein monster that was kind of, you know, engineered in a laboratory. You have different types of evil. You have the primeval. You have your wolfmans. You have your King Kong monsters. You have, there's so many types of evil. Then you have the human being, you know, just when you think about how evil we can be as humans. So something about a demon just fascinated me that a demon for me wants to deal so much with possessing a body. Like what is it? where there's an attachment, there's a leeching off of the human spirit for me. And that's something that for me, just it's twisted, it's demented. At the same time, for me, it's intriguing that something like an evil, a supernatural evil, gets a rise out of using our bodies as a costume, so to speak. And for me, if you dig deeper into that, you get into theological perspectives. You open down a lot of um, backstory, origins. So uh, there's so much there for me as far as fascination, as far as a writer that for me it opens up, I guess you can say like a kind of a spiritual truth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I was more fascinated and stymied by that because I feel like if you have this type of evil and it exists, mm-hmm. right? So for me – then the bigger picture is there has to be something that turns away and spurns this evil, right? I mean, I, like, I mean, if you watch like The Exorcist, you have the priest, and he's supposed to be a man of religion or of a spiritual nature, and yet he's frightened, or fearful of engaging this demon, and that's because if you look in his heart. He's not where he has to be. He has his doubts and what he's witnessed, so that already opens up the void to make him ineffective in his duty as an exorcist, right? So that's the parallel when we think about humans and we think about the heart, we think about how we are as a species, right? 
So we look at what we bring, what we don't bring. And if you think about it as far as demons, how they like to possess on this vulnerability and expose that just to bring us to our downfall, it brings me to want to dig deeper and know more about the spirituals behind that. Just that's just something that always fascinated me. And if you got ghosts, you got your werewolves, you got your zombies, but then for me, you got your demons and there's something there where you have a more for it's like it's more edgy when you talk about demons because there's that some part like Wayne, how you said it made you nervous. Mm-hmm. It's like for me, I feel like it makes me nervous. Like, hey, you know what? I don't believe in ghosts, but you know what? I believe in like maybe demons are real. Like maybe ghosts are not. Yeah, I know ghosts are not, but you know what? You watch The Conjuring, when you watch Insidious, and it's all about evil spirit. It's not like, you know, this ain't a ghost. We're dealing with an evil spirit, some type of for me, that's what just opened my door to just want to just dive into this with Lair. So demons in your mind don't have bodies already. They're just, there's, and I don't mean spiritual and a good spiritual, but they're supernatural beings. Exactly. So for me, there's a like that orb, so to speak, on the cover of Lair. It would be like that gateway. Would be like that conduit between the real world and the spiritual world. And for me, demons, a demon, if he's in a dark place, if he's let's just say ambling along on the fiery rocks of hell and he's just walking about going about his day i mean how much fun can he have right so the fact that they're obsessed with wanting to be part of a human body or to be one with a human body for me shows that they still want to experience some type of pleasure Mm -hmm. in that body that satisfies them in some way and it's almost like they're reveling And like that sin, right, that we often fall victim to if we're trying to have a certain moral compass, so to speak. So that's where I'm like just fascinated by it. And so I feel like when you possess the body, the demon now has a physical corporeal frame where it can experience earthly pleasures beyond the pleasure it's getting from tormenting and leeching off. uh, You know, it's like a parasitic growth on a human spirit. Because immediately questions come to mind. I'm sure you don't want to spoil anything, but I always think about whenever demons are involved, what about Lucifer? And I think about, well, if you've got demons, what about angels, the opposite number to them and stuff like that? So I'm sure you don't want to spoil any of that stuff if they're going to be in there or if they're not, because then you you don't want to give away stuff on, on your story. No, but I'm hitting all these aspects. And definitely, if you got demons, you got to have Lucifer. you got to have so... I kind of play off that, but at the same time, I borrow from that, and I'm just having fun tossing around these elements and trying to create something where I feel something that's fresh in regards to horror, in regards to demon horror. We've all seen possession movies, but for me, I feel like there's something – we can extract something really deep. We can extract something troubling. We can extract something actually thought-provoking by exploring more into the demonic. And it's creepy, you know, but at the same time, for me, there's a bigger fear than demons out there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm alluding to eventually in the work. And that will make itself that will make itself known. Yeah, that kind of message. Because you know, Lucifer is pretty popular these days, as far as TV goes. He's got his own TV show. He mm-hmm. is on Supernatural with the Winchester Brothers, and you know, he pops up here and there and everywhere. So, dear old Lucifer is uh, quite the TV star. 
these days. Well, for spoiler alert, I will say you will not see Lucifer in Lair, so you can just know that you won't see him. He is mentioned, so to speak, yeah. but it's just almost vaguely. Like, the star of the show in Lair, aside from our protagonist, mm-hmm. is the warden of Lair. He's like the fallen angel, and he's the main demon, or I would say fallen angel. Kagrin is what I named him, and... He's the badass there, so, I mean, Lucifer doesn't show, so if people are like, oh, another spinoff or something with Lucifer, or no, not at all. Because there was another know. indie comic with Lucifer in it, and I don't remember the name of it, but mm-hmm. uh, Lucifer is getting his due these days. It's a plethora, exactly, So because he's getting his due, so I feel like it's popular, I feel like the culture is calling for it as far as pop culture like there's a charm you know a demonic charm i guess or a darkness charm or some type of charm or a lore of lucifer like we want to know about this guy who was banished right from heaven right who just got sent down to lead his own kingdom in hell but yet somehow he's going to come in the form of an antichrist yet somehow he still walks among us making deals with people so there's a lot of cachet with the lucifer character so i feel that exploiting just the backstory in terms of what makes him Lucifer, but taking all that energy and exploiting it in a new venture as far as Lair or a new venue, I feel that's something where people can get behind. And especially when you're dealing with demons, you know, there's going to be numerous type of demons. You're going to have your social class of demons. You're going to have all types of demons. It's going to be like Pokemon. you got to catch them all. You're going to have so many demons. You're going to not be able to catch them all. It's just like that's what I'm trying to do to show that this type of culture, this type of demonic culture, like there's an existence in Lair, their own hierarchy. So definitely got a lot with this, but not want to steal too much from Lucifer, right? Lucifer has his own show. We're trying to detract from that but yeah. still keep it fresh see i always because sometimes demons can be seen by humans and sometimes they can't and i always wonder is that because they want to be seen that could go so many ways too i guess like that could by who like it, i guess it's up to the writer how they want to craft that narrative because for me i mean again i don't even want to jump into sports but that does become an issue and i see what you're saying but mm-hmm. <laughs> what I want to say too much, I touch along those lines, yeah. Well, see, this subject brings up all kinds of questions in my mind. And I guess the way that we're going to find out is we've got to read the book. Is the way I, that would be my it. dream, exactly. Just to have this uh, into something awesomely tangible to, by way of Kickstarter would definitely be something to just boost my morale. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as always in the Kickstarter, you've got to have these little extra goals and, and wonderful other things that you can get. Uh, do you have in mind other kind of goodies that you'd be offering as far as your Kickstarter? Well, aside from just the actual hardcover, physical copy, graphic novel layer, we will also, since we have a diverse creative team, I got Sebastian. He's from Uruguay. Mm-hmm. I got Davi, who's Brazilian. So I asked if it would be possible because they also have their fandom. They also have their fans. So I said, would it be possible maybe if we can work on a translation for Lair to have it in Spanish, to have it in Portuguese, so we could market something to them for the Kickstarter because they have their own fan bases. So they have their own friends, their audience, and I don't want to alienate anyone from the Lair experience. So I said, hey, I got my artist. He's from Uruguay. He speaks uh, the Spanish language. I have a Brazilian colors. I said, hey, if we can get a translation done, we already got some avenues here, some demographics we're covering, and we have an awesome story for horror. So I feel like that would be good. Aside from the translations, we also have, which I thought was interesting, since once readers read Lair, they're going to get all the nuances. But one thing I do have going is something called a demon portraiture. Mm. So it's basically... 
yeah, it'll be at a hundred dollar back reward. I'm limiting it to twenty five, but basically yearbook style version of a backer likeness as a demon. So I mean, whoever, Wayne, if you ever wanted to be a demon, as much as it you know creeps, <laughs> as much as it creeps you out and you know makes your skin crawl, I will have that option available to backers. And aside from that, I'm also having something that's called a casualty of lair, and that's also you have your backers that have a demonic likeness, and you'll also have backers who will become so to speak a historical figure that was somehow ripped into lair so once you read the story there's a lot going on you have just the ambiance just the mood just the scenery of lair is so abstract it's so like literally out of this world right it definitely fits into the paranormal dimension but there's rifts that open throughout time that suck things in so you'll see artifacts from all over time in Lair, literally scatter out fossils, uh, pyramids, that type of deal. So just to show you that Lair is something that's been around literally since the beginning of time. And people have been, uh, in a way, sucked into Lair, of course, against their own will. And, of course, subjected to the horrors of Lair throughout time. So in Casualty of Lair, you know, Backer could have their likeness, U-Book style, as someone from one of these time periods of a viking so to speak a samurai or a cartographer i'm trying to show how lair has its own little universe going on so basically as far as goodies that's definitely one of the most intriguing back rewards that i have for lair because i was wondering i see some kickstarters where they actually if you pay enough they'll make you a character in the story I actually do have that available as a likeness. Mm-hmm. I actually do have that. So they will be a character. They won't be a fully fleshed out character. It's mm-hmm. almost like a cameo. Mm-hmm. I have a certain scene where they'll have about maybe four panels or five panels of FaceTime. And it's basically showing how the orb works, so to speak. But mm-hmm. you'll see a likeness there. So I do have one of those tucked away in for the Kickstarter. Thanks for reminding me. I haven't even uploaded that on a draft. So mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> Yeah, now what about a stock of paper? Because his artwork looks like it requires a nice glossy stock. Well, here's the thing. This is where spare no expense. I do need to get the artwork done for me. That's my top priority. That's where the 10K comes in. It's $200 a page. So literally just for Sebastian and just for Davy's colors, we're talking about $10,000. So I want to make sure they're getting paid. And as far as color and stock, again, with Kickstarter, you always have the chance to overfund. If that happens, that's going, of course, to shipping. If that doesn't and I have to finance out of pocket to get the comic out there, I'm not doing it in a way as much as I want to budget. I don't want to hurt the integrity and the quality of the comic. And as you've seen how the colors look, last thing I want to do is put on some stock or some paper where it's going to hinder the art. So I want that art to scream. So basically, if I'm looking back towards Print Ninja because I used Print Ninja before or I might try Kablam, I'm going to make sure that artwork is not depreciated in any way through the stock. What about like convention appearances and stuff like that? Because we're now pretty much heading full blow into conventions. Are you going to be going to conventions and promoting this book? Wayne, that's definitely the end game goal. I definitely want to have something to pitch at conventions. I did have Under the Flesh 1, 2, and 3. I feel with Lair as a completely fleshed out product, I feel that hitting conventions is something that will help as far as brand exposure. And I feel it's something that I need to do. And Due to, I guess I want to say, like personal reasons, just jobs, school, everything was always tough to hit the convention scene. I'm segueing into a part of my life where 
if Lair becomes available, I will be able to hit. I will actually have something to sell in the convention scene because that's definitely a place that needs to be hit. That's one place for me as a creator I, I've been lacking on and something out of my own free will. It's just sometimes uh, things happen, life gets you. But uh, hopefully with Lair being successful, I figure if we get a finished product by October, I figured it's probably too hard to kind of plan all that now. I kind of want to like use 2018 as me going full-blown head-on into the convention circuit with a finished product in Lair that really does a lot to showcase my type of work. Well, you know, I'm thinking about Spooky Empire, which comes mm. around Halloween time. And that would be an nice. ideal. If you had like a table there or something, you could get the word out on that. That would be a cool thing. You know what? Thank you. Is that also in October, right? Spooky, yeah. Is that in Florida, right? Yeah. I had a, a friend told me about Spooky Empire. That's actually something I'm going to research because if I could, in fact, get the comic done before then, that's actually a viable option hitting a demographic that really would be so keen uh, to pick a copy of Lair. Because mm-hmm, that's honestly, the conventions now are kind of, <laughs> they're forming their own sort of fandoms, you know, because Spooky yeah. Empire is for horror. You know, yes. Mega, MegaCon tends to do the whole thing, but there are, you know, like there's Walking Dead conventions going around now. And stuff. Wow, specifically just for Walking Dead. Yeah, because wow. it's. I don't, oh, yeah. Remember, don't remember the names of them, but there's a whole bunch of them that are going around doing those kinds of things. Because, you know, Creation used to always do Star Trek cons. And gotcha. they did Supernatural cons for a while and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you just. It just seems like if you want to gather a group together, and of course, I think these days you kind of have to be aware of those things, especially with your book. Like, I think Spooky Empire just. It screams yeah, so- out to go there. No, yeah, for sure. Definitely because that's the market right there. If you got anything horror, you want to support horror, I mean, there will be people there going for, to support Spooky Empire, not picking up a comic book in mind. They won't have a comic in mind, but you go there and they ha- and you have Lair set up with that nice cover page. I mean, that's going to just call, that's going to tickle their heartstrings. So mm-hmm. definitely uh, something to, to, to be aware of. And thank you for pointing that out because. Yeah, I'm I'm a little behind <laughs> as far as knowing what's available in, in my own niche, in my own niche, but um definitely definitely is Spooky Empire is something to hit up. Yeah, it's looking to because uh, it's in the Orlando area. It's actually near where MegaCon is held. It's like another building over from it, so it's not. So you have away. MegaCon, you have TampaCon, like all the cons yeah. in Florida. Hopefully yeah. next there's something I'd like to hit up every yeah. single one. But Spooky Empire might be uh, on the radar mm-hmm. for this year if I can squeeze out. Mm-hmm. A finished product before mm-hmm. then. Well, you know, Lair sounds a really fascinating product. I'm sure I'm going to be spooked the whole time I'm reading it. My, I'm going to get <laughs> you know the chills up and down my spine reading this. That's thing, the plan, way <sighs> That is the plan. Just to have you think a little bit deeper in terms mm-hmm. of the demonic and all that. Yeah, definitely the passion project. I'm already getting chills. I don't. I, you know, any of that stuff kind of gets me. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a great book and it's underway. Kickstarter. Just go to Kickstarter and look under Lair. L A I R. Yeah, okay, go uh, Gilbert under your name. Do you want to spell your name so people might uh, be able to look for it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, My name's Gilbert Del Trez. That's G I L B E R T. And that's Del Trez, D E L T R E Z. And I hope you could check out Lair. It'd be awesome to have your support. Okay, now let's talk about Under the Flesh. You've talked, you've mentioned a little bit along the way about there's three issues out. 
Mm. Uh, as far as Under the Flesh goes, because I liked the book. I really enjoyed it. It was got me. It was JL who contacted me about getting onto the podcast, and I, I talked to you. He didn't end up on the podcast, but you did, which was fun. We got to know each other as a result of that. The thing I'm kind of fascinated by is, okay, three issues. Where does that fit as far as the scheme of things? I mean, you, you mentioned that, that like, there could be a miniseries. Did you have a certain number of issues in mind for Under the Flesh? Under the Flesh, the way I have it now, it's a six-issue story arc. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of teasing along every all the undead stereotypes you heard of. Mm-hmm. And as a big undead fan, Romero, Lucio Fulci, definitely Kirkman. I, that's like my passion project also for zombies. But at the same time, I wanted to flip things around and add something that – part of my wheelhouse. I mean I don't want to give too much, but at the same time – Six issues is where it's going to end, mm-hmm. and I do leave it with a closure, mm-hmm. but I definitely leave a door open in case any third-party publisher wants to get behind it and mm-hmm. there's some traction. I definitely love to see uh, Under the Flesh as something that could be an ongoing or just – you know, I, I leave it in a way where you could, you could do a lot with it. There's a lot of world building, and there's definitely a lot of ways you can go, especially when you reflect that. With today's politics, I kind of like use that as a way to gauge all that. So mm. you can never get too political with comics, but I think under the flesh, it's going to show how it unfolds. It's issue three and issue four is a big issue, right? When you get to there, you're not even going to know what's going to come next. I got so many things going on, but mm. with under the flesh, but I definitely, definitely want to see that become something good. Now, in case somebody doesn't know what Under the Flesh is about, but go back to our TV Guide thing. Can you give us mm-hmm. like a TV Guide description of Under the Flesh? Yes, TV Guide description of Under the Flesh. You have picture a super soldier engineered in the dawn of the end of days. So basically you could say the dawn of the zombie apocalypse, but to call this is zombie apocalypse is doing a disservice to not only all the zombie stories out there, but also to Under the Flesh because it borrows off of those tropes to bring into it something totally different. So you basically have a super soldier with no clue of his abilities who's trying to keep his small group alive during literally the end of days. So, I mean, I think that's uh, a recipe for something interesting, fresh, and amazing whenever you have a superhero who doesn't know what he can do. Well, also, the virus affects men particularly, mm. as I remember, and I... Well, I mm-hmm. thought that was you – know, and, of course, you know, you haven't explained everything as far as that goes in the first oh, issue or two we I know. Wait, you know what, Wayne? That's why, I, like I said, issue four is just the issue. That's it, where I, I, I kind of want to tell you the spoiler right now, but basically everything you thought, you know, it, it just spins on its head. So, okay. yes. But for, for now, yes, the virus that only infects men, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, if somebody wants to get a hold of Under the Flesh – how do they do that? Is it on Comixology? Do you get paper copies? How do you do those? Okay, so Under the Flesh is available on Comixology. I am in the process of transferring over to also Indie Planet, where I heard you can get physical copies. They use Kablam as a printing service. So I'm in the process of file uploads and whatnot and getting approved for that. It takes about a week process, but I'm definitely in the process to get that to Indie Planet for those who want a physical copy. And then, of course, eventually when I hit the con circuit, definitely going having hard copies available. And also we'll have some issues, limited issues of number one available in the Lair Kickstarter as well. And also just undertheflesh.com. I have the comic there, free update a page every week. And it will basically up to where we are at 
as far as third issue. Mm-hmm. Once we progress, fourth issue becomes available, then I'll start updating with new content. Okay. Now, see, what's interesting to me is is that these are two totally different directions. Lair is a graphic novel, while Under the Flesh is individual issues. So mm-hmm. you're kind of covering all your bases by doing different things in different ways. Mm, that's true. Interesting. <laughs> Think of that. But yeah, as far as variety, I mean, it's. I, I would also want to say it's part of, for me, a cool learning process as far as being an indie creator. Mm-hmm. Because if I knew what I knew now, I would have probably just went for Under the Flesh also as a graphic novel and kind of had that first sixth issue arc in a story that's pretty much one and done for readers to be able to gauge more. And at the same time, not waiting and not being on the end of a fish hook for the next issue, so to speak, is a learning process. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I feel that graphic novels are the way to go, at least in my experience, only Mm -hmm. because, yes, there's a bigger risk. It's more costly. But for me as a creator in a market where as a writer and especially as a minority underrepresented writer, it's really hard to show. I mean, it's really hard at all just to be a good writer in general. Mm -hmm. So you're hitting a market where it's hard to get noticed. I mean, there's oversaturation as far as indie comics, as far as comics in general. So for you to stand out, you got to have something good. So Mm -hmm. I feel what under the flesh, although I felt I have something unique doing it in an issue by issue basis Mm -hmm. was kind of risky, too. But for me, I was unaware of how the actual comic process worked Mm. i mean i was under the belief that hey you make a good first issue image will come along and want to finance the rest Mm. but the more knowledge i gained i became privy to the fact that these companies don't want to take any type of risk at all Mm. you got to have a finished product Mm -hmm. so now that i know that i'm like okay so when i do layer i want to have of this product finished so that way when readers editors anyone sees it they know that i can handle a story from beginning to end and at the same time see what i bring to the table and see the marketing viability and potentiality and say hey you know what hey we want to sign you or whatnot i feel like for me as far as having a writer portfolio i felt finished product would for me equal more opportunity mm-hmm. so that's what led me towards graphic novel at least for layer okay now, as far as other projects, I know you probably got other things in mind, not just these two. Do you are any of them percolating, or is Lair and Under the Flesh kind of keeping you busy these days? Well, for now, it's Lair and Under the Flesh. I do have other projects percolating. What would a great writer be without having a couple <laughs> of aces up his sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. So my idea. I know with Under the Flesh, I kind of have my own label, so to speak, with Escape Comics. Mm-hmm. I guess my floppies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. With Headshot Horror, I kind of like the idea of a one-shot horror brand. Mm-hmm. And I feel with horror, you can do so many different things. And there's a market for horror, and especially like original type horror, something ingenuine, something fresh, something new. So I felt like with Headshot Horror, this as an actual brand could be a way to spearhead my work in a one-shot basis as far as viability, as far as just showing what I can do work-wise. So I hope the idea is to keep Headshot Horror going, mm-hmm. and after Lair, you'll have my next project, and then hope another project, and you're going to see that with Headshot Horror, you're getting a complete story, beginning, middle, and end. You're going to wait for issue 2, you're going to wait for issue 12, and you're just going to have the satisfaction of knowing you're getting a complete finished product. And for me, that's just adding one more to the portfolio and showing that as a resume to an editor. They're going to see me, what I did on my own, and say, wow, if this guy did this on his own, crowdfunding, you know what? 
we can bank on this guy. We can take a shot on this guy. He's showing that he's capable, mm-hmm. you know? Now, you know, of course, the moment I hear two books, the first thing I want to do is crossover. I want to have the lair mm-hmm. meet under the flesh. Somehow, could you have them change universes or something? Have that do that? And you could write a, even if it's a short story. Because there's a guy, wow. Dan Doherty, who does a book, uh, a horror book, as well as he does a comic strip called mm-hmm. Beardo. And what he did was he managed to cross the two of those over. But he had this terrible people dying and getting into her mind, this lady's mind, going with him as a person who works in a coffee shop. Nice. And it was just a while. I remember looking at it going, I can't believe he got this to work. You know, it's yeah. just an amazing thing. So it's really good. So I'm always looking for crossovers. Maybe somewhere down the line, maybe they both get popular and you're thinking of something creative to do. You could always cross them over and see what happens when they, the two universes meet. Wayne, you know me all too well. One thing about my work, as far as supernatural, as far as anything horror, I do have a plan to have them all canon within each other so i mean you're already speaking my language so <laughs> if things do go good that's uh, of course something i'd love to entertain because i'm already entertaining it now so mm-hmm. definitely you will see that if well, things are successful well Gil, you know, much success to you i'm sure this is going to be a success and uh, we'll get to see lair before too long just in time for halloween will be great and we'll get to get more of under the flesh coming on so i'm looking forward to seeing more of that so yes that's the next one after lair once jail's availability opens up we're definitely going to be pumping up another under the flesh kickstarter and Wayne, you'll be surprised. Well, good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And much success, Gil, as you go forward. And looking forward to all these good things. And I just know you've got other good things in there just waiting to come out. And we'll look forward to reading these other good stories that you have in mind. Wayne, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And always support indie comics. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another interview with a great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 